future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. Welcome, welcome. It is Monday, September 19th, 2022. Welcome to Raging Chickens Out the Coop Live. This is Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. On Out the Coop Live, we talk to progressives, activists, and troublemakers of all sorts, right from our own backyards and from across the country. You can join us at the end of the week, too, as well, for our Friday Politics Roundup, where we break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. You can also check out our once or twice monthly The Wednesday Show with Cyril Michaleko. You know, Cyril, you know, you know, editor-in-chief at the Bucks County Beacon. He joins me to drill in down into Bucks County, Pennsylvania, and international politics. And you can get all our shows by subscribing to our podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can support this show by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress. You can also help out the show right now by heading over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash that subscribe button, like the stream for this show, and hit that notification bell so you know every time that we go live. And if you're listening to the podcast on this, leave us that five-star review, leave us a comment. Everything that Every time you hit that little like button, when you hit that five-star review, it helps other people find the show and to kind of amplify the work of the amazing people that we get on the show. So um, all that you're doing out there, I appreciate it. Special shout-out to our Twitter warriors who are always awesome in sharing the show. And for more PA Progressive Talk, tune in to the Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. You know, you get any place you get your stream, you're going to find Rick there. And if you want to find out what's happening across all his platforms, head on over to thericksmithshow.com for the latest. And you got to check out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast. Yes, the amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast. Rock the house. And they know where the bodies are buried. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at, at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter. And subscribe to their podcast at Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast. And for all you gamers out there, the Game In, that's with two N's, the Game In is a Quaker Town based black family owned gaming store. They're friends of the show and they've got everything from retro N64s to latest consoles, video games for all platforms, collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops, walls of Funko Pops. And kids get discounts with A's on the report card because it's back to school. That's what we do, right? Check them out on their Facebook page and follow them at Twitter at, at the Game In. That's with two N's. Got a question about a game, look for something hard to get, shoot them a message or drop them an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com. Special shout-out goes to Jonathan Mann, as always, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. Check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at, at Song of Day Man. That's at Song of Day Man on Twitter. And you know what we're here to do tonight, everybody. Yep, well, I know one thing we're not going to do. We are not going to let Paul Martino and his oligarch friends buy our schools and push extremist politics in our community. That's right, Raging Chicken has teamed up with Level Field to launch a truly community-rooted pack to invest in organizing, supporting local and statewide progressive candidates, and putting small-dollar donations to work to beat back the power of big money. You can get more information and drop your donation at ragingchicken.levelfield.net. link for that is in the show notes check that out well on today's show everybody guess what week it is you know what it is yes it is it is band books week 
And have we got a show for you. Tonight, I welcome Lissa Bowen back to the program just in time for Band Books Week. And the timing really just isn't better. <laughs> I can't think of it um, because they just put out an amazing report, which we're going to talk about. Alyssa is a senior researcher and managing editor for the progressive watchdog group, True North Research. We'll be talking about their new report, the Disinfo Playbook Targeting Our Public Schools and Elections, and Alyssa's related article for Truthout, Dark Money Groups Are Trying to Buy the Midterm Elections for the GOP. All of that linked in tonight's show notes. True North's new report is a, quote, guide to the anti-public school front groups like the Independent Women's Forum and Moms for Liberty. Yes, we know Moms for Liberty very well right in our own backyard here. And their dark money funded efforts to censor books, disrupt equality and impede fact based learning by kids. Alyssa received her Ph.D. in history from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, in 2021. With an interest in fascism and anti-fascism, solidarity and social movements, immigration, exile, and transnational history. She has bylines in The Nation and in Truthout, where she's a regular contributor. More of her public writing can be found on the True North Research's website and on Substack. Follow Alyssa on Twitter at, at Alyssa Ann Bowen. That's A-N-N-O-E, Alyssa Ann Bowen on Twitter. Alyssa, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And you're right, it's perfect timing for Banned Books Week. Um, and it's also the perfect forum because this playbook is really for, we wanna kind of empower local groups, which I you you all don't need any help, I already know. But um, we wanna empower local groups to kind of uncover more about what these groups are doing in the local context. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, you got, I mean, no, thank you for being here. And, you know, uh, we would love to basically say, yeah, we've got it all kind of all figured out. But frankly, is that we need work like this, that's that you are doing at True North Research um, to be able to lay out on what these connections are in kind of, you know, in so many ways. I mean, I can't tell you these feels, this feels like, you know, tools for the struggle in so many different ways. Um, so before we jump in too much to the, before the report, just for folks who might be new, um, haven't seen you on the show before, you talk a little bit about what True North Research does and a little bit the scope of your work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so True North Research is a progressive watchdog group and we track dark money and special interests in politics. And what we really try to do is uncover the funding and influence of these ultra wealthy and corporate donors that are undermining our democracy. And I've kind of talked about that in former uh, podcasts with you uh, from this, it happens from the Supreme Court to state courts to the USPS, and now to your local school board, which is what we're talking about today. And here we go. So um, why don't you just kind of, we'll start with this, you know, this is this new report, which just dropped What this came like a couple weeks back, I guess it came in. Yeah, just last week. Just last week. Brand new report, the Disinfo Playbook, Targeting Our Public Schools and Elections, um, a guide to the anti-public school front groups. Um, can you talk a little bit about kind of just the broad overview of what this report um, seeks to do and why you decided to put this out now? Yeah, thank you. Um, so I guess we've been tracking these groups uh, for a long time. Um, some of them launched in early 2021, and we've been looking at these new groups uh, since then. Some of them... Uh, are sort of long-standing anti-public school, anti-public education groups that have existed, you know, for decades even. Um, but it takes for these new groups, especially, it takes a lot of time to get used to identifying the major players and collecting and organizing the data and sort of seeing the patterns. Uh, and so this was sort of an effort to uh, get our knowledge out there and organize and make it useful for the broader public, and especially, like I mentioned, local activists and allied organizations. Um, 
And obviously the context of the midterms is really important too. Um, there, so we're basically trying to give people some context about what's happening nationwide so they can take it and use it um, and help them, so that it can sort of help them understand what's happening in the local, at the local level as well. Um, and so this playbook gives, well, first it gives backgrounds on some of these groups. So, you know, Moms for Liberty, Parents Defending Education, um, Independent Women's Voice and some others. Um, and then, and sort of the broad infrastructure of that. Um, second, it lays out funding and other ties. Um, so especially ties to the GOP, which we're seeing increasingly, yeah. ties to the far right, um, which you have, I know, in Bucks County. Yeah, and school <laughs> privatization, which is, I guess, sort of the obvious, uh, the uh, most obvious connection that everyone sort of immediately drew from these groups. Um, so, for example, a lot of these groups have ties to the Charles, the network that Charles Koch helped build. Um, Betsy DeVos, who is Trump's former Secretary of Education, who's a major privatizer and a billionaire, um, and Dick Uline. So, those are just some of the major like connections that we draw in the playbook. Uh, third, we uh, kind of lay out their playbook, like what are they doing, what have they done, where do we think we're, they're going um, in the midterms and even beyond. And then we also throughout sort of sprinkle in advice to local parents groups or to local parents and, and individuals um, and give them ideas of how they could possibly counter these attacks. I thought it was interesting um, in some of the sidebars that you've got throughout the report, um, just say, okay, these folks show up to your school board meetings and they say this, right? What are some of the questions to ask them? Like simply these questions about, okay, you say that you're a concerned parent, right? <laughs> who is funding you? you know? <laughs> are you yeah. aware of who is funding those talking points that you are mouthing here? At the, I mean, you're saying it much more nicely in these reports, obviously, that I'm putting it here. But those th that whole idea about say, OK, here's some ways just just to push back, even at the level of um, responding to some folks in these open forums. I thought that was also kind of very, very useful. And just to have, you know, these connections laid out so that we can anticipate the kind of arguments that are coming forward. Um, and I think that's what you guys do really well over there. Thank you so much. Yeah. And also moving forward, we kind of want to create um, Apologies for the dog in the background. Um, Pets are welcome as our children, <laughs> the spouses, friends. Excellent. All right. And excellent by everybody. Um, but uh, we really want to create a sort of dictionary for people to be able to translate sort of right wing speak to like common English and sort of the distortions that they're doing by tra this translation. So, for example, you know, critical race theory, if they're th if they're um, saying that critical race theory is being taught in schools, like explain what this is and how even Christopher Rufo, who's been called the or the inventor of uh, the outrage around critical race theory, he um, has been, he has even said, um, summarizing here, but um, that he wants to make critical race theory a sort of umbrella and it's a tactic. They want to make anything that teaches about the history of race or racism in the US, you know, the history of LGBTQ, folks like that kind of thing they want to uh all, encompass all of that in critical race theory so when people who are outraged about this hear um critical race theory they they assume bad and so and then they oppose it automatically so um you know these are these are strategies that are they're employing and and you know the the rhetoric around parental rights obviously like we can counter that by saying, okay, well, which parents are you supporting? Right. Because you're not supporting the parents of trans children. You're not supporting 
the parents of, you know, people who want to hear about racial reckoning in this country, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so so thank you. Yeah, I think that's really important is to to counter um, the language too that they're using. Yeah, I think it's fascinating too as well about how uh, around the parental rights thing. We'll get into this a little too with some specifics tonight too. But um, the way that those the frame and the, the I, I kept thinking about it like this. It kind of not only are they saying parental rights, which is kind of as if like, you know, just exactly what you say, well, which parents are we actually talking about, right? The subtext there is always like, this is what real parents care about, mm-hmm. right? So there's like a discipline there too, as well, to those parents who would do something else, right? The parents who would actually believe that, oh, I don't know, all children belong in schools and all children should be welcome with open arms. We should nurture all the children. That's a problem, you know? And so you know, there's that kind of disciplining, like, like note where, people are like, well, wait a minute, I'm a parent too. And they can look and say, well, are you really, <laughs> you know? And it's totally. so, it's so deceptive and it is so like disciplining and toxic um, to see that kind of get rolled out and all under this kind of auspice of like, you know, this is about love and caring for kids. I mean, it's, it's really like mind numbing in many ways and confusing and disorienting. Um, mm. which is, you know, having that kind of dictionary, we're going to see, okay, this term, when they're laying this out, this is some of the history of it. This is some of the genealogy. This is where it comes from. Right. Um, and this is what you need to be prepared for. I think could be also stabilizing in there, right? <laughs> Cause you're like, well, wait a minute, you know, here's how I'm going to respond to you par- parental rights person. You know? mm. Yeah. Thank right. you. So let me let, I thought, you know, in your piece and truth out, which you're kind of basically taking some of the stuff from this report um, and kind of, kind of, putting it out there in a truth out form, a little kind of more narrative form, looking at specific cases, you focus on what happened in Florida and what happened in Virginia as, I don't want to say the only origin stories, but two really important cases um, in the rise of these parental rights groups and the influx of money targeting school boards. Can you take us into, um, you know, I mean, I don't, you could start where you want with which one, but you could take us into those two cases um, and why you thought those are important to focus in on both of the report and your piece. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and actually, I mean, I would just say a couple of things that it started, it obviously started a, like before this. I mean, you could go back as far as, you know, the 1950s in opposition to uh, school integration, but, um, you know, we won't do that. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, but in 2020, um, the pandemic was really an opportunity for dark money groups that had opposed public education for, you know, decades to sort of stoke resentment among parents who were genuinely frustrated with a lack of public infrastructure to deal with the pandemic and worried about their children's safety and education. Um, And they really used sort of a a playbook that Naomi Klein's laid out about um, using uh, public crises to uh, privatize. And so um, in 2021, they they sort of, and you saw this in Bucks County too, they sort of started off with like opposing uh, masking regulations that would protect children and um, opposing uh, reopening the school or, or, you know, supporting reopening the schools and those kinds of things. Um, And then in 2021, they really amped up their struggle when they couldn't that that those things weren't able to be opposed as much (laughs) increasingly um and a ton and i I think they also sort of got their bearings and realized they there was a new opportunity there um the sort of grifter gop thing happening with trump (laughs) as well where they're like there's money here let's make it 
Um, and so there's uh, that's in 2021, we saw a ton of new dark money groups being founded. Um, and so these are groups that are um, predominantly 501c3 and four groups who uh, keep their funders secret from the public. That's sort of our working definition of dark money. Um, and also they, they are pushing policies. Um, so we see these groups be founded. And then these other longstanding groups are pivoting to towards uh, parental rights, quote unquote, and opposing supposed critical race theory in schools, that kind of thing. Um, but as you say, Virginia was sort of a case study for them. Uh, and it seemed honestly like a test run for them. Uh, and in, so this is in November 2021, and there's a gubernatorial election uh, in Virginia between the incumbent Democrat, Terry McAuliffe, and this Trump-endorsed GOP candidate, Glenn Youngkin, who is now in power. Um, and Indeed. yeah, and it was honestly a good place to test because a lot of these new groups pop, or a lot of these new groups popping up have ties to Northern Virginia, the wealthy suburbs there. Um, so you have uh, leaders from uh, Independent Women's Voice, from Parents Defending Education, uh, and they they live there. So they really have the ability to go and stoke resentment at school board meetings and create these faux rally events um, that are just other dark money actors showing up for each other kind of thing. Um, and so in the case of Virginia, uh, and they openly took credit for Yunkin winning, um, they did this, you know, we have a few examples. So for example, uh, Azra Nomani, who's um, a former Wall Street Journal uh, writer, uh, who later became a staffer for Parents Defending Education, uh, and then later for Independent Women's Voice, uh, she created this coalition for TJ, so Coalition for Thomas Jefferson, which is a high, a very elite high school, a very selective high school in Virginia. And basically it was fighting against a, a more holistic and more like racially inclusive evaluation process that would allow for diversity, more diversity in the student body because it's a very um, like a very Asian population, um, Asian and white predominantly. Um, so this coalition against TJ was, was uh, against this more racially inclusive policy. Um, and so this was a way for these groups to attack McAuliffe and his like supposed um, like opposition to parental rights. Um, and then later Parents Defending Education when that was founded in March, 2021, um, it hired uh, Azra Nomani and also this other Harry Jackson, this other guy who um, fun fact then later uh, ran for school board and was had to withdraw because he like made fun of like a disabled student or something like ridiculous. Um, people, I swear to God. Well, yeah, not great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's like one example. Uh, and then also uh, probably the, the strongest example we have of this and, and like an example that gives a lot of the like sort of tactics that these groups are employing generally is I independent women's voice. Um, they ran, they created this Two, with two weeks to go in the election or around two weeks, they created this fake website that was like not easily able to distinguish that it was connected to them. It's called toxicschools.org. They um, ran Facebook ads supporting it too. And um, they basically like insinuated that McAuliffe and the Virginia schools were like, okay with pornography. So this is something we've seen a lot, right? Like anything, any content that has like any allusion to sex or to LGBTQ content is like now pornography. Um, and exactly. they, yeah. And they also, um, 
like kind of insinuated that uh, McAuliffe had uh, gone again, had not supported parents in in um, in allowing these these books in schools and that kind of thing. But the context that they ignored was that uh, they were really McAuliffe was really opposing the banning of uh, Toni Morrison's Beloved in schools for like one scene, sexual scene. Um, so, you know, another, and so this is obviously a theme of like banning black and LGBTQ books and content in schools. Totally. Well, uh, I see, you know, I, we're hearing this from Pennsylvania, which is, uh, you know, only number two in the country in banning school books, right? So we're only, we're behind only Texas well, and the number of books that are, yes, well, you know, we strive, <laughs> we strive to be number one. Um, but, you know, Texas has got so many damn people and uh, all that oil money. So it's tough to compete with, but. Yeah, you know, let me, and one of the things that was interesting about the, I mean, you don't, talk, I mean, obviously this is not the focus of the report and stuff, but what was interesting about what, how McCullough's campaign was run too as well, we saw this as kind of a playbook happening across the country, which, you know, by the time the Democrats decided to really say, okay, look, we need to tackle this critical race theory nonsense head on, it was too late, right? I mean, you already had the entire infrastructure up and all the kind of discourse about parental rights. And it was, you know, like people, you know, suddenly you're trying to play defense with like two weeks out from the election. And it seems like, yeah. you know, Virginia really, I mean, it was, you saw what happened in Virginia it was happening here in Pennsylvania. It was happening in kind of, uh, you know, states across the country where they're really, you know, trying that stuff out, but saying, okay, yeah, look what we did here in Virginia. We do the same kind of stuff because, it, you know, because Terry McCullough was, you know, the centrist Democrat was wired into a lot of the uh, Democratic Party money. Right. Um, and was doing that nice poll tested, consultant tested kind of approach to it. And um, this was really it seemed to me like a trial run about how do you resist that kind of money? And, well, you just go to the local and you start, you know, you, you basically stoke the flames uh, within the school boards, um, which mm -hmm. seems, you know, it's exactly what you point to here. This was the playbook. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, in Florida, we see the same thing as happening everywhere, happening in Pennsylvania and other places. But in Florida, they even like took it a step further, right? They, they, <laughs> Monster Liberty was super close to DeSantis, was showing up at uh, his, um, his press conferences pretty regularly. Um, and then, you know, Monster Liberty endorses dozens of candidates. Then DeSantis endorses almost all of those candidates as well. And not only that, but funnels max contributions to the majority of them, um, to the majority of these Monster Liberty endorsed candidates. And then they see, you know, sweeping wins. You know, there are some, there were, there were some counties that that wasn't the case, but in a lot of counties, um, they, these DeSantis and Monster Liberty funded uh, groups were kind of swept. And then they declare that, you know, a win for parental rights, <laughs> but really it's a win for money being funded into these school board, you know, GOP money too, like being funded because it wasn't just the Santas, it was also dozens of, of state PACs linked to GOP legislators and like other GOP politicians. Yeah, Florida was incredible. And as you mentioned in the piece, right, we can see that Moms for Liberty isn't just this uh, fly by night organization, right? They had this just this past summer, they had this major conference down there where you had DeSantis and you had all the like the who's who wants to kind of argue for the right wing kind of say Trump base of the party. We're going to kind of shake hands and we're going to make it clear to everyone in the base who's in, who's on their side. Right. I mean, that's what it seemed to be. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is pretty crazy. I think that um, we're, 
DeSantis is going to be pretty well. We'll see now. There's all sorts of questions about whether he's going to be up on charges too, as well for uh, you know his little immigrant uh, <laughs> antics. Um, basically, say how do we take refugees and kind of like use them as pawns by shipping them off to Martha's Vineyard because it's like own the libs. Meanwhile, you're messing around with people's lives and kids and things like this, mm-hmm. um, which should should really that should be all we need to know about his education policy and what he's doing in schools right there. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's a whole other matter, <laughs> as it were. So one of the things that um, one of the things I'd like to just poke on a little bit here is we've already talked about some of the organizations. We talked about Moms for Liberty. Um, we've you know talked about um, uh, the what is it? Parents Defending Education (PDE). Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I have this thing where I want to purge that organization from my brain for some reason because they've frustrated <laughs> the hell out of me so bad what they've done. Um, but then you also talk about, for example, you know, some of these organizations like the Bradley Foundation, right, um, which was, you know, coming out of Wisconsin that um, helped fund the privatization of Milwaukee public schools through the charterization of those schools. Uh, and they've been a player that have been around for a long time. Um, so can you give us a window into some of the, the like the people and the organizations that are dumping the money, that are funneling the money in here? Because it's interesting, right? I don't want to be too much of a spoiler here, but other times that you've been on the show, it's odd that the same names keep on showing up, <laughs> right? right? Again yeah. and again. So give us a little picture of the money train here. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I mentioned this briefly, uh, but Charles Koch, his whole network is funding or has either funded or has ties because because of public disclosure laws. We don't know because these groups were funded in 2021 and there's a two year lag between disclosure requirements. So we won't know um, a lot of these groups and like anything about them really until 2023. Um, the groups that were already established like Independent Women's Forum and Voice, the ones that did toxicschools.org, um, they are funded, they have been funded by Charles the Charles Koch network extensively. Um, they have been they have been funded by Betsy DeVos. They have who I mentioned earlier and is a major school privatizer. They have received money from the Bradley Foundation as well, um, which is this major, obviously, uh, privatizing force as you mentioned. Um, Parents defending education. Uh, Nikki Neely. Its its um, leader is uh, has worked for the the Koch network. Uh, in various positions, including at IWF. Um, and uh, so, and as I mentioned, Azra Nomani is like switched from parents funding education to now to IWV. Um, and but not reporting for the Wall Street Journal, of course. I mean, because that right, would be exactly, really, yeah. like, not there's any she connection calls, between. She calls herself a liberal. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> tells you what circles, and, right? Tells you what circles are in, right? You call yeah. yourself a liberal. There you go. <laughs> Um, and Moms for Liberty has a lot of ties to the GOP and also, um, you know, they, so it's funny, they, they already disclosed their 2021 or filed their 2021 disclosures, but they have done this very interesting tactic, which I'm not quite sure how they managed to do, uh, which is they registered, if you make under $50,000 as a, um, tax exempt organization, you only have to send in a postcard. And the postcard is just nothing. Like it doesn't reveal your board members. It doesn't reveal your um, uh, who you paid for services like PR firms or that kind of thing, which is actually like elucidates a lot. Um, and first of all, like it's very suspect to me that they made under fifty thousand dollars. But also, um, 
they they uh, seem to be using the strategy where they filed like 47 independent Moms for Liberty organizations instead of filing just one. Um, anyway, so this is all to say, uh, we don't know much about them and we won't know probably much about them because of this and because, but we do know in 2022, they made out well because uh, they had, they listed their sponsors for their summit, which was, you know, where DeSantis was a keynote and Betsy DeVos also spoke. Yep. Um, and they received at least $50,000 we know from the Leadership Institute, which is a co-funded uh, organization. Um, we know they received at least, I believe, $5,000 from Turning Point USA, which is a co-funded organization. Um, and they received, I believe, over or at least $10,000 from the Heritage Foundation, but don't quote me on the mm -hmm. number there. Um, but that's also a co-funded organization. Um, and meanwhile, they've claimed to be funded by um, t-shirt sales. Yeah, well, that's a lot of t-shirts that the uh, Charlie Kirk is buying for his uh, college <laughs> and high school operations, apparently. Exactly. Uh, right? I mean, that's incredible. So just so that I wanna make sure I get this right. So what Moms for Liberty has done is they they filed basically theoretically there's 47 different chapters of moms for liberty and and technic like on paper they're not connected is that is that what you're saying or i mean they like i mean they're, they're saying yeah. like, their names are moms for liberty they're connected that way but um they have one you know so moms for liberty's structure is a little different than other organizations so they have this national organization, uh, and then they have county chapters, and they've also um, started to do state, we've seen, actually in Pennsylvania specifically, they've started to do state coordinators too. So they're organizing at the federal, the state, and the county level. Um, and so they've registered 47, I think it's 47 different organizations, 46 county organizations, and then a national. Um, and so, yeah, they, so they're, they all claim to have made under $50,000 with the IRS. So they, they only have to send in this postcard and they don't have to disclose anything else except for one person's name. Well, that's a nice convenient way to kind of show that you don't have money when you actually have a lot of money then. Um, for two, and just what to underscore what you just said there, you just, uh, you know, in the report too as well, you basically say that uh, they have chapters in 23 out of Pennsylvania's 67 counties right now. Um, so it seems to be that, and this goes, I mean, it seemed to me to goes right to the, the whole theme of both your report and your report and your kind of article on this was that, you know, this is uh, kind of one, a strategy that is not just about schools, right? But this is really about the midterm elections. Uh, well, mm -hmm. I would but just put, I don't want to, I don't want to put it in the sense that it's really about these things. It's about both of these things, right? It's about the, the kind of school takeover. It's about the privatization of schools. Um, but there's also a real political, political payoff here. Um, by mobilizing uh, kind of, say, the right wing um, through the school boards. Um, so can you make those connections for us a little bit? And we maybe talk a little bit about some of the, you know, some of the tactics or that playbook, right? Um, about what is it that they do and how do they do it? Um, and then look a little bit toward um, the midterm elections and where you see um, these things ramping up and give us some examples from there. I, I know I'm throwing a lot at you at once. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah no, totally. <laughs> that yeah, sounds yeah. good. Um, so we see them looking a lot um, at swing states and counties, which is no surprise, um, and especially wealthy, racially diverse suburban counties uh, or with, you know, a, a big population that's from the suburbs. So in Virginia, they already have the infrastructure. So there's a lot going on, um, a lot targeted towards Virginia. 
Florida, it's not over yet because um, even though some of their uh, school board uh, school board candidates won outright there, they also there's some running um, in the general elections. Uh, so we can expect to see a lot more in Florida as well coming into the midterms. Um, and then in Michigan, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, those are also big hotspots for a lot of Moms for Liberty activity. Um, and then Independent Women's Voice is also, um, they created, I didn't mention this, they created the Independent Women's Network, which is this like supposed to be a social networking thing, um, but they just really are tea. creating like- Just for tea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> big picnics and stuff, but truly totally innocent. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're creating local chapters as well um, in different states. Um, and a lot of them are in um, the, the swing swing states. Um, and then something we haven't talked about a lot other than the context of Florida, there's also PACs that we've seen connected to a lot of Moms for Liberty candidates or a lot of Moms for Liberty members and leadership. So at, both at the federal level uh, and the local level. And the, there's the, the ties between, I would just say like the GOP is also involved. Like they're, these are often like either the treasurer or the person who founded the PACs are oftentimes like GOP agents, like longstanding GOP agents. So um, I'll just say, uh, just because we're talking about Pennsylvania context, uh, in Cumberland County, Pennsylvania, uh, the Moms for Liberty State Coordinator, Luis Kenshiki, is uh, formed this PAC last year called the, uh, the PAC to Take Back Our Schools. She used to work for No, no Left Turn in Education, another dark money group. Um, and she professionally recruits and helps uh, train school board candidates. Um, and she uh, is like recruiting for school board candidates uh, in nine districts in Cumberland County for next year. So, um, and then we also have like different local PACs connected to Moms for Liberty. Uh, oh, and she's also like really involved in like local GOP politics. I didn't mention that. Um, but there's local PACs like we've seen in other like kind of all over the country, especially in swing states. So Williamson County has a PAC called um, the Williamson Families PAC that's tied to Robin Steenman, who runs that local geo, that local um, uh, Moms for Liberty and is and like is promoting all these GOP candidates. Um, there's the play we just found this one in Livingston County, Michigan, called Parents Not Politicians, and it's run by the chairman of the Livingston County GOP. And the, the Livingston County GOP has already donated over $7,000 to this PAC, which like goes super far, far, obviously, in school board elections. Let me ask you about that. So that's actually a pact? That's parents a pact. Not there, I've, I've driven by signs that say parents, not politicians. And I just was, I mean, this, I think this is how so many of us encounter these things, right? It just seems like, mm -hmm. okay, it's another one of these, you know, it's the more Republican signage that is going up here, parent, you know, parents, not politicians going in, but that's been all throughout Bucks County. So I would look you know, to see if there's been a right. pact founded with that name. I am writing um, that down. <laughs> yeah. And then you can see like who registered it. Um, you could, yeah, there's a lot of ways to go about like finding and then look at their biggest donors, which I would guess if they're a PAC um, has their biggest donors probably been like someone tied to the GOP, if not like the county GOP. Yeah. <laughs> crazy, crazy. I mean, this stuff is this stuff is really uh, it's astonishing. And, you know, I I think I might have said almost identical the same thing um, when last time I had you on is, you know, on the one hand, 
it feels empowering and it feels but on the other hand it feels exhausting looking at these these kind of networks because it's in a sense the same people lots of big money and they've got the game of just like okay we're just going to rename ourselves this you know like, and we're going to have this organization and then we're just going to have these three other organizations which are really our organization but we're just going to name it something else and we're going to set it up as kind of independent corporations we're going to be in the same building right maybe down the same hallway right um but we're completely separate and they're coming at you from mm -hmm. five five ten different angles right um yeah and it's dizzying in so many different ways it is actually something that I meant to mention to you and I haven't mentioned yet is, um, so last uh, time I was on your podcast, I mentioned Leonard Leo a lot. Right. Like we yes. always talk about Leonard Leo, the you know Trump court whisperer, Federalist Society fundraiser, far right lawyer, um, who has like explicitly said that he wants to turn our rights back to the pre-New Deal era. Um, and he his um, judicial education project, quote unquote, and honest elections project and the 85 fund, they're all the same. <laughs> and then they, but they also registered a new fictitious name. This is what you're exactly what you're talking about. Uh, in July, 2021 called free to learn coalition. Um, so, and th this free to learn coalition uh, spent uh, $1 million in Virginia in the election last year. So he was just hitting McAuliffe on schools in late October last year. Uh, so this is, I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like different entities. It is school privatization, but like the Christian nationalist dark money yeah. is also really interested in this because they have a vested interest in um, attacking public schools because they want their money to go to like private or charter Christian schools. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's interesting. So two, th like two things going, th going through my brain kind of like at this point, like, um, let me all focus on one right now. What you just said there about, say, the, the Christian nationalism, right, um, which is, I guess these are these are connected. So uh, on the one hand, what was interesting to me that happened locally, and I know this is a little bit kind of outside of this report, but it's connected to what you're saying about um, about the privatization and some of the long history that these organizations have in the privatization of public schools. Is that um, Paul Martino, who we've talked about on the show before, who's the kind of you know big money bags in our our neck of the woods, who's kind of funding mm -hmm. these far right um, um, school board candidates. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that he said at the um, I think it was a spring meeting um, was basically saying two of the Democrats who got elected onto that school board. Um, he basically stood up and was basically saying, you know what, I think they should disqualify themselves from um, sitting on the board in the upcoming teachers negotiations. Right. Because the contract, the teacher's contract was coming, was was going to be coming up. And he was pushing back at that point, saying that, you know, they're they're clearly they got support from PSEA, the, the you know, teachers union kind of in the area. Um, they got support from them. So they have a conflict of interest. So they're because, of course, he doesn't. Right. Because he's just a parent. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, and so they should recruit, recruit, recuse themselves from those negotiations. And I, at the time, I flagged that when I was sitting, I was, I talked about this on the show, and I was like, you know, that's where they're going next, right? I mean, this is where he got a little bit of messy here. To show this is what this is what it's always been about, and that reminded me goes back to the Christian nationalist stuff. Is you know, one of the things that um, I mentioned Rick Smith's show on this all, kind of all the time. Uh, Rick's a friend of mine. And I remember when Rick talked about uh, Betsy DeVos years ago, um, mm -hmm. the way he'd always used to talk about it on his show was like, look, they have no problems with public money for schools. They just want to take the public money to pay for their Christian right wing schools. And that's been the game. 
right? It's not the it's not the money coming from taxation for public schools. It's them being able to control um, and be able to take really that money and to be able to dictate the curriculum for their kids in their schools. And so that's something that you're seeing then too as well in this in these things. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, because also there's uh, Family Research Council and Alliance Defending Freedom, like two major anti-abortion, like super fringe right groups um, that are uh, that are running like trainings for school board candidates too, um, and or and or doing like parental rights kind of training and like initiatives. Um, and so yeah, I would just say that that's something that we're seeing, and also. Um, We've seen a lot of, um, I mean, there's also the yeshiva schools that are interested in in getting the public money. Um, and, you know, that New York Times report showed yep. just how quality the education is at some of those yeshiva schools. Um, but yeah, and also, like, I, I want to say, too, at the same time, these right-wing Christian nationalist dark money groups are... Uh, pushing cases to the Supreme Court, basically to say like, even though, even if they get public funding, they should be able to like discriminate against right. LGBTQ students and like that kind of thing. So, I mean, there's a whole infrastructure designed to like get public funding, not only get public funding, funding diverted to these schools, but to make it so like the public has no say how the funds are used. Oh boy, it just gets better, doesn't it? Doesn't it, Alyssa? Happy Band Books Week. <laughs> yeah, Happy Band Books Week. Well, you know, I mentioned this before we got on the air tonight too, as well as that, you know, we've just had right here at the Penridge School District, we've had, you know, the, the kind of uh, muzzling policy, which is basically telling teachers they're not allowed to talk to their students about uh, uh, about this. My kids, the one thing I didn't tell you is that, you know, my kids were having this conversation after school the other day because they're logged into their computers and my daughter brings up uh, the library and she was like, watch this, you can sort like the books by topic and stuff. And one of the topics is challenge or restricted books. And you click on that and there's like 70 of them, right? Or something like this. And there are things like Skippy John Jones is in there. Right. The Outsiders is in there, which my son, by the way, by the way, read as part of his curriculum in, in, in high school. You know, and, and all the ones that we're seeing, all the ones that are, are the challenge books of the 10 most banned books, are, they're all on that list. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of led to this, you know, discussion about what they're doing here. And this is the ACLU, Educational, uh, the ed Educational Legal uh, uh, Law Center um, down in down in, I guess, it's technically New Jersey, but Philadelphia as well. Um, they're saying this has been some of those restrictive policies that they've seen. And then in the Central Buck School District, we also see the attacks going directly um, out of L LGBTQ students and trans and trans students, which you also mm -hmm. mentioned in your report. That seems to be their one of their favorite targets, basically telling teachers that they are not allowed to use students' pronouns if they if they don't match what's on the official roster. I mean, it seems to me that there's there really is like no end to you know the flow of this nastiness. Um, and it includes like the banning of books seems to be, okay, this is just the next thing, but it's essentially the same organizations pushing the same thing through this lens of parental rights. Um, and they seem like they're going to take this right through to the midterm elections and see this as their winning strategy. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if they get people all hopped up on the parental rights juice and like outraged over, you know, pornography in schools or whatever, I mean, then it's a way to get people to turn out for the school boards. But then in turn, obviously, you have these right wing folks also vote. They're not going to not vote on the up ballot. 
So I think that's part of the strategy is just um, they want to make sure people turn out and turn out for the right wing candidates. I mean, it's not it, Monster Liberty is actually trying to launder its reputation now as um, like apolitical, which is something that sort of gets to what you were saying before as like parents as apolitical entities, which is absurd, has, like thinking historically about the role that parents have played in like opposing racial integration in schools, exactly. for example. Um, so uh, yeah, it's just um, that I think that's really the idea that the GOP has in like investing in these parental rights uh, groups. Well, crazy. Well, um, if we have a little shrouds of hope, what do we look forward? I mean, number one, I should say, you know, this report, like again, like I said, it, this is linked in our in our show notes tonight. It's like the disin the disinfo playbook targeting our public schools and elections. Right there, it is right there because I print things out because I'm old school. Right, I'll read online too as well. And Alyssa's article: uh, Dark money school groups are trying to buy the midterm elections for the GOP on Truth Out. Um, this is also linked in our show notes. Um, but uh, one, like I said, I see you know, these kind of reports and the work that you've been doing as really, you know, tools for struggle um, because it's exhausting, right? Um, I mean, and thank God we have, you know, some organizations like True North Research that can do this kind of work and are dedicated toward it because, you know, um, otherwise it's everyone reinventing the wheel all over the country, right? When really it's the same players, it's the same money, um, and it's the same strategy that we're seeing kind of nationally. So uh, having said that, so, you know, toward the end of this, right, you're also kind of pointing people in some directions about, you know, look, here's some things to think about, right? Here's some ways of kind of kind of addressing this. Um, so can you take us into some of those things that kind of some of those suggestions or some of the things that you think people should be paying attention to going into the midterms? Ah, thank you so much. I would say, um, first of all, dig into the money. Um, that's what we always try to do. Um, and I just you can even look like this is all public like we just look at public documents all day <laughs> um so you can just do it yourself like um if you have suspicions that someone you know there's a school board candidate that's getting funding from moms for liberty or or the gop or both um you can look at their public disclosures um and those happen you know you can look they get more frequent as we get closer to the elections, but um, you can look at those, you can see who's giving contributions, you can see how they're spending the money, um, those kinds of things. Uh, you can also see if PACs donated, and then you can search for the PACs. Uh, so that's, and you can see who who donated to the PACs, and, mm -hmm. and so you can trace the money that way, you know, like who donated to the PAC, okay, and then the PAC donated to them, so like you could see the money is going, it's a straight line, straight to the right-wing candidate. Um, and so that's the first bit of advice that I would give. Um, I'm also doing, I'll just, if you don't mind, like push public, push Jeez. this a little bit. I'm doing a, <laughs> uh, a training session with, which, with Heal Together, uh, which is an amazing organization doing some of this work too, um, on October 6th uh, at 6.30. And so I can send, uh, if, I, if the link's available for that, I'll, I'll send that to you. Um, and I'm not the only one, there's some other great folks on there too. Um, and I would say also uh, don't, as we mentioned, cede your ground to their language. You don't have to use like the parental rights language or, you know, you can push back on it too. Uh, you don't let them present parental, parental rights as apolitical because we all know it's not. Um, 
And then also, as I mentioned before in your show, follow investigative outlets that are doing work on this. So um, we're doing work on it, uh, but also like Popular Info is a really good sub stack by Jed Legum. Documented is a really good investigative journalist outfit. Uh, there's the Center for Media and Democracy, um, and then Heal Together that I mentioned where I'm uh, doing that training. Um, and I think, oh, and then pu push for public disclosure, because the more information yeah. we have, the more ability we have to push back. Nuts. 100%. And I think there's like two follow-ups there too. Number one, I think that like locally here, this is why I say the Bucks County Beacon has become such an important outlet mm -hmm. for your local media that is actually following this stuff. Um, and I would, I would follow, you know, one of the things I was, when I was reading your report and you're talking about pushing back on, say somebody shows up, hi, I'm a concerned parent and blah, 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 right-wing talking mm -hmm. points spilling out of my mouth. Pushing back, well, you know, okay, are you a parent? You know, are you representing a particular organization? Do you, what, who funds this? I also mm -hmm. think that it makes sense for us to push back on local journalists too as well who are covering these things and I was thinking spe specifically about the playbook for Moms for Liberty dropping stuff like two weeks before the election when there's mm -hmm. no there's no time right at that point you know okay yeah you discover where you know what's coming out and by the time you discover it and the disclosures are there it's like months after the election um, mm -hmm. but if we know this going into this then the minute we see this stuff drop then you just start hopping harping on local journalists to say you need to track this and get this stuff out um, Absolutely. Because, I mean, you say, look, here's the playbook, <laughs> right? This is what they're doing. Um, you know, again, another tool for struggle. So, yeah, absolutely. That's really important. Well, Alyssa, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your work and appreciate you coming on tonight. Um, and like I said, this is couldn't be better timing. Uh, one, that it's Banned Books Week. Um, uh, but two, uh, to have this information and this background um, in our hands uh, ahead of the midterms, um, just as things are going to be kind of ramping up. And I would argue too, as well, this stuff is not going to be um, going away after the elections. Um, so it's, uh, you know, I think day one after the after the midterm elections too, as well as when, uh, you know, especially around here, uh, the school, a lot of school board elections are going to be happening in the kind of odd year elections. So um, where we're going to really have to, you know, continue running, I think, after that point and stay on this money. So um, so, yeah, thank you so much for your work and thanks for coming on tonight. I appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. Oh, you got it. Well, hey, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Yeah, we got some good turnouts tonight. I uh, hope you all kind of enjoyed the show. Uh, make sure you pass this on. I know there's some folks here locally that uh, weren't able to tune in because of uh, school board meetings, ironically. Um, but uh, make sure you pass this on and get this information out. That's what we're here to do. Um, this has been uh, Kevin Mahoney with uh, Raging Chicken. It's Out to Coop Live. Remember, you can help support this show by heading over to raging or uh, patreon.com slash rc press that's patreon.com slash rc press and uh you know you can become a member for as little as five bucks a month and if you want to help contribute to uh kind of a truly uh grassroots uh ground up pack you can head on over to ragingchicken.levelfield.net um and then we will be using that kind of uh those accumulations to begin kind of pushing against this stuff. This is fantastic. Um, so thank you again, Alyssa. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon. And make sure you head on over. Make sure you head on over to truenorthresearch.org. Um, all the links for that stuff and the article and the report are in tonight's show notes. Read all that stuff, pass it on, uh, and say hey to Alyssa on Twitter too as well. <laughs> Have a great night, Alyssa, and we'll, we'll see you on the interwebs. <laughs> Take care. All right. This is Kevin Mahoney, uh, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. Uh, man, it's been quite a week already, and it's only Monday. Um, so we'll see you later on the week on this Friday and uh, next Monday. See ya. Goodbye.